talking about video games. Yeah! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Donkey Kong Artist Podcast, which is now a video, so this still counts as a podcast. I don't know how that works. Anyway, I'm Patrick Shanley. I'm the uh, games editor at The Hollywood Reporter. Joining me, as always, is my best friend and co-host, Edmund Arnold. Eddie, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Patrick. How are you doing? I'm good. I hope you were to the left of me. Otherwise, that's going to be really weird. And also joining us is our other best friend, Colin Codega. How are you doing? Hey, Patrick. I'm good. Um, I don't know. This is like a Brady Bunch thing. Which way do I look? Like, <laughs> Okay. No, I'm, I'm good. Ready, ready to talk some games. I wanted to introduce you as Johnny Gamers because that's my new favorite. Thing. Hey, I'm Johnny Gamers. <laughs> What's up, Johnny? What's up, Johnny? Hey, you know, Johnny Gamers isn't out yet. I need to pound a couple Mountain Dews uh, a little bit later, so maybe next week. All right. You need, like, a chain necklace. Uh, one of the big things that happened this week was there's a new Assassin's Creed. Woo! Woo! Uh, but we also found out where it's going to be set. And it's going to be set in the Dark Ages in England, a place that we all know a lot about, so I'm not going to bore you with the details of that. Uh, but it's also about Vikings, which we kind of already knew because that leaked a while ago, but people are excited. I'm kind of excited, I guess. How do you guys feel about Vikings and Assassin's Creed? Um, you know, I'll be, I'll be the first one to jump into here. I'm, I'm excited just because it's a continuation from Origins and Odyssey, both games I really enjoyed. Um, really like the systems, and yeah, no, I think it will be a really cool setting. Love God of War. Um, really think it's an underutilized setting when it comes to video games. So I'm very excited that they're going there, and um, interested to see where they take it um, and cap off this trilogy. And yeah, we'll see where it goes. Vikings are hot right now, man. Oh, they're everywhere. People love God Vikings. of War. We have Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice. Would Skyrim, would Skyrim be considered a Viking game or no? I guess, kind of. Yeah. You know, helmets. Yeah. Nordic influence. Uh, it counts. Sure. Count it yep. Another Assassin's Creed. <laughs> That's how you feel about it? I mean, I was gonna I was gonna be excited if it was I thought we were gonna get a Braveheart type Assassin's Creed. Celtic, uh, I would like to see that. I'd like to see like the Polynesian Empire. We've seen so many Vikings game Viking games, and then uh, especially with this following God of War. I just kind of wish they would have went somewhere else. I, I do love the Assassin's Creed series. I have played them all. So I'm just a little bit underwhelmed about where the location is, but I'm, I'm sure it's going to be good. Just like when, by the trailer, it looks beautiful. It does. It looks incredible. Like the visuals are insane. But when people say they like Assassin's Creed games, I feel like there's a schism right in the middle of that <laughs> franchise. Like there were the Assassin's Creed games before Origins, and then there were the Assassin's Creed games after Origins. So when you say you like Assassin's Creed games, do you like all Assassin's Creed I like Creed all of them, yeah. Um, my favorite one was the one in um, London. Uh, what was that one called? Syndicate. Syndicate. Yeah, I really, I love that game. The hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat was really great. I liked how they kind of removed um, weapons from that game and everything was about like bare-knuckle brawling. I liked the gang system in that game. Gang system, in, gang, gang, gang system in that game. Um, but other than that, I don't know. Uh, I always liked all of them. I liked them from the beginning. I have every single one, even the Chronicles in China and Russia. So I just, I'm a little underwhelmed about another game dealing with Viking culture. Another one. I, yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. I love, my favorite part about the Assassin's Creed video games is sort of being able to like step into history and like see things. My favorite one, I liked Black Flag because I liked the ship stuff and I liked the sea shanties and I like pirates. But my favorite one was Origins because I got to climb the pyramids and I love Egyptian history. So it was really Empire. cool to like be able to live through that. I don't know anything about Norse history, 
and everything I've learned from Norse history is actually from like God of War and other video games that I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, the, the interesting, interesting thing, I think uh, 19th century England is actually, it's 9th century, 9th century. 9th century, not 19th. Yes, very different. 9th century, not a very focused upon in video games. So I'm interested because this is a time when um, you actually had monarchs in England. If I vaguely remember, this is me throwing a Hail Mary, but there, I believe that's around the time when they were actually, there was a lot of kind of colonization and um, raiding in Ireland, kind of throughout the UK area and stuff. So I think there's going to be a lot of potential, um, I think it's going to make sense to have the naval combat side of things and a lot of island hopping, very similar to probably Odyssey. So I think it, it probably is a very good format for them to take a lot of the assets from Origins and Odyssey and they can still translate it to a new setting. So I think that kind of makes sense. Um, you pulled off Wikipedia and we're reading off stuff about 9th century England. Yes. Well, yes I'm I not would. really sure, but I'm pretty sure King Edward III. <laughs> wish. No, it's, it's, it's a time, though, when, when um, even they were, I'm pretty sure they were hiring, like, Vikings. It was kind of like you were hired by these monarchs. It's similar, like, when they were paying Christmas like pirates, right? to yeah. go out and find the New World, you know? So they were doing that to go and, and create kind of new colonies and go in and um, take out different villages and stuff. So I think it could be interesting. At the end of the day, it's an Assassin's Creed game, so I'm going to play it. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I just want to see Northern Lights all the time. I feel like just the skylights are going to be amazing in this game, and I'm going to want to stare at them. The visuals in this game are bananas. That trailer is gorgeous. Yeah, and it, w- was it rendered on the new Xbox or the new PlayStation? Do we know? I don't know, but I do know that it's being touted as part of the the Series X is going to be revealing some like gameplay footage. Which is good uh, for the Series X. It's really good like, for the Xbox. We're not that far away from launch now, right? We're only like six months away. They should be doing this now. If, they don't get if we had an E3, this is where it would be happening anyway. That's true. That's well, true. And it, it's weird, too, to think that I feel like a lot of these releases, it's usually like only going to be PC, and now we're to the point where these consoles right now where it is, they may be able to kind of be in a similar lane to be the uh, the platform to show off these games. It used to like These usually used to be run on supercomputers. Like, I don't know, Pat, I'd love to hear from you. I hear at E3 okay. when you're behind um, doors trying games, there's some pretty insane rigs that companies will set up to show a game. Yeah, I mean, you can hear them. Like, it's warm <laughs> in the room because there's so many things happening, yeah. But almost, yeah, every time you play, like, a demo, not every time, but most of the time you play a demo, especially at something like E3, it's running on, like, a modem. And so you're kind of, like, on a computer. You still have, like, an Xbox controller or a PlayStation controller, but it's running on, like, a modem. Interesting. Now, are they? do you think, is the controller usually based on their partnership, basically? So you know, like, Call of Duty has a deal, Activision has a deal with PlayStation, so you're going to use that controller, or is it just kind of... That's a really good point. I've never really thought about that before. You know, for, like, games that are cross-platform, I've never really put any stock into, like, what system I'm playing it on as I'm playing it. What is so funny is I bet you there's a team of people where that's probably, like, their primary role and job at the company is, like, oh, we got to have everything perfect with branding and stuff, but for you going in, it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, give me the controller, let's play. Yeah, now I'm just kind of sad, man, because, like, E3 is this awesome time of year where you get to play a bunch of cool new games, and it's not going to happen this year. But also at the same time, would you, as a ger- as a self-proclaimed germaphobe, would you want to be handed a controller, given a oh. VR headset? Dude, uh, sorry, now we're off on a tangent, but right when they canceled GDC, uh, I was ready to go. I mean, I was already booked. I had my plane. I had my hotel. It's a week before, I think. Yeah, it was the week before, like the 12th or the 13th of March is when they shut everything down. And I remember having a conversation being like, I'm not going. You know, I was talking <laughs> to my boss. I'm like, I'm not going to go up there. I don't want to be around like a whole bunch of people. Because I had just been at Dice the month before in Vegas. 
And even then, and I was getting over a cold at that point. Did you get really sick at Dice? I, w- I was really sick for like months. And I think maybe I, maybe I had it. Who knows? Like with the antibody test that keep coming out. Uh, yeah, but when I, went, when I went to Vegas, I felt sick. And I was like, I didn't want to be touching stuff. And I was like, there's no way I'm doing this again. And then the world fell apart. Yeah, maybe you had it. Shit. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, no, it's just wild to think. It's not just even like, hey, when things go back to whatever normal will be moving forward. Yeah. A lot of these conferences, like, there's a lot of money that goes into it. There's a lot of people who work year-round to build these out. Like, there has to be a shift. Where can that be? How are, you know, our games? Um, or is this even needed? Do we need to have all these, spend all this money to be in? For, I don't know. It's, there's so many questions up in there. I think it's needed, and I, I'm speaking on my butt, but, like, I think it's needed for, like, networking purposes, though, right? It's more for, so, for I always thought these conferences were, like, great avenues for developers mm-hmm. and publishers and reporters basically to network with each other, but I could be completely wrong. Well, it used to be, E3 only opened up to the public in 2017. Yeah. You know, it used to be exclusive to these people. And frankly, like my experience in E3 is going to be different than somebody who buys a ticket to E3, obviously. For me, I spend most of my time not on the show floor. I'm up in like the, the rooms up top meeting with people or going to lunches or whatever stupid networking thing I have to do. <laughs> I shouldn't say stupid, they're fun, but I mean like... So it's, it's, it's networking. Like, it's not like someone's on the weekends like, hey, I have some free time. I'm going to go network. Like, it's, it's, it's networking. <laughs> yeah. Well, because you're all in the same place. And, like, when does that happen? And that, that will never stop happening for all industries, by the way. Like, it needs to because networking is really important. Yeah. It's That's weird that it's still so important because we can just do this and talk, like, through the computer. But meeting people face-to-face is such an important thing. And, like, most of the work that I do is done, like, face-to-face or was back when I could touch other human beings. Yeah. Well, plus on top of that, it, there's something to say. It's not, you know, regardless of anything, there's something where if you are chatting in person to have the ability to be like, hey, you know what? Like we're, you know, we're talking about business. It's great. Let's go grab a beer at the bar around the corner. Like, let's go do that. And it's, it's not even something like, I feel like everything's so prescribed now and being like, hey, we're gonna have a 30 minute appointment on the screen. You don't have that ability to go and actually take it further. You don't want to be Johnny Gamers, but he just comes out, man. We go, we just <laughs> go grab a beer. Let's go, go grab a beer. Hey. Forget about it. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a conversation that comes up a lot, right? Like, what is the point of having these when Nintendo's doing their own directs, Xbox is doing inside Xbox, PlayStation has State of Play, I can't remember exactly what this is. Really? Let's just talk about the Nintendo Direct. All the rest of them are just trash. <laughs> like, they need to have live events. Like, Nintendo Direct's the only one that is making it work. Like, all Nintendo other- does Directs, and then they also have a huge presence. Like, they're at every one of these things. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I don't want these to go away because I like going to them. But that doesn't – I'm not the one who's paying the money to put them on, so. It's true. Yeah, I, I think it's just there's going to have to be more strategy. And, you know, like you said, with E3, kind of the floodgates opened up a few years ago. And it it's like there almost has to be uh, – you have an E3 corporate versus E3 as like a, a PAX East or West. Like, you know, the the fan side of things. You almost have to differentiate it. And I can say just from my own experience, I've never been to a PAX. Um, I've been booked a couple times and I didn't want to fly all the way to Boston, so I didn't go to PAX East. Um, Because I didn't think I needed to be there in terms of news. I think it'd be cool to be there and I'm sure there are stories that are breaking out of there. But in terms of like, it doesn't, it's not a big newsy event, you know? It's not like E3. It's not like GDC where you get like time with the developers and stuff. It's a fan event. It's like a consumer facing event. Hmm. And I, I think those actually will continue f- for as long as people keep buying tickets because they're for the fans. 
in terms of something like an E3, like who knows? And like not having it for a year is really going to kind of shake things up. Do you think we're going to shift to more of like, because the Gamma Awards are so big, Jeff, what's his name? Jeff, Jeff. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Knightley. Um, really? <laughs> what was it? Jeff Feely? Keely, oh my God. Jeff Knightley? Okay, so Jeff Knightley. Um, <laughs> Jeff Knightley, right? Is that a porn star name? I don't know. Bruce Willie. Bruce Willie. Uh, Bruce Willie. So Jeff Knightley. So anyway, the Games Awards, do you think that's, there'll be a shift more to the Game Awards? So like, we, you don't need that big. We are also rewarding the game achievements for the year. You don't really need the whole... Are we just going to? That's how we built it up, you know. Like, and Jeff was smart. He did a thing where it's not just about honoring the games that came before; it's about looking forward to the new games and doing like a showcase. Also, Jeff is like the most connected guy in video games. Like that guy is just like Mm. everybody knows Jeff. Everybody likes Jeff. He's very good at what he does. Apparently, I know his name. (laughs) You don't even know his name. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he came up with something, you know, in the future. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what it's going to be like. I can tell you that there's like events that he does that are not widely publicized, you know, that are for people in the industry that I've attended. And there are things like that that go on all the time. Um, I'm wondering what it looks like going forward. E3 is sort of like Comic-Con, right? Or it's trying to be Comic-Con over the last couple of years uh-huh. where you're hosting this big event where everybody kind of goes to, but then after these companies have gone a couple years. They realize that you're just selling to an audience that's going to buy your stuff anyway. You know? mm-hmm. That's why like a lot of, a lot of studios pulled out of Comic-Con because there's no reason to spend the money. Those people at Comic-Con who are going to stand in line for Hall H are going to buy your product no matter what. That's true. Like you already have them. You don't need to sell them on this. I mean, they're going to Comic-Con. <laughs> yeah, they're at Comic-Con. You <laughs> they're got paying to go to Comic-Con. Like, yeah, you're right. You're right. When I, I really hope that the, you know, the PAXs, the Comic-Cons keep going because I think they're also, let alone like, you know, with E3, we're talking about indie developers really um, thrive off the networking. I really think another thing is there's small independent um, video game, um, you salespeople, the memorabilia shops, they go and they're able to uh, sell their inventory there. And that's a huge moneymaker for them. And that's really sad that they're missing out on the money now. Um, it's not the, the large Activisions and stuff. It's these small used game shops that make uh, a killing at, at these uh, conference shows. There's tons of stuff. I mean, when you walk around the floor at any of these, by the way, not just E3, but E3 is a good example of it. There's entire swaths of the floor that are like people who literally like drove there in a van and spent like all their money just to have it there in like a small little couch playing on like an old CRT TV. And I've I've met tons and tons of people like that and played some pretty sweet games too, by the way, like made by these people. And so you're absolutely right. And I think that gets lost a lot of the times in this conversation because you're thinking of these mega corporations. These things are great for networking for very small people who are trying to break into an industry or trying like to plant their foot in something that they're not able to. Yeah, and I think if we shift to a Nintendo Direct style, and Nintendo does a, don't, I'm not bashing Nintendo, I think Nintendo does a really good job of showcasing all their games. You better not bash Nintendo because no, on the panel. Nintendo Direct is like one of the greatest things that's ever come out of gaming in a long time. But either way, um, and Colin, I know you're deep in their pockets, but either way, it's like... <laughs> that pocket's Colin, that's what they call me. One of my fears is that if we switch to like a state of play and whatever inside of my Microsoft, are those indie developers still going to get the same amount of attention? Whereas if you have a big type of E3, you're going to get reporters that are going to get there, that are going to go to these different indie developers, play a game. And if they really like it, you're going to see a great write up or a great report on it 
Whereas if we're like just watching gameplay of an indie, I just don't think we're going to get the same love for it. I can see that. I mean, hands-on time is so important. I will say, it I think it's extremely you, important. I, I was, I was going to ask Pat, do you, it, how for you is it, is it hard to be able to set up time with these, with a smaller developer? Because I bet there's a lot of a lot of people fighting for those twenty to thirty minute appointments when you're there. Every year that I'm there, this is going to make me sound like a gigantic ass. <laughs> <laughs> your your day is really booked, right? You know, and you have a lot of meetings. And some of them are like the CEO of Take Two. You know, like I'm not going to not like you can't not talk. That's to a big meeting. Yeah. 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 And there's a lot of, sorry, that's just like an example that popped off the head, but there's lots of people like that, right? Name drop, Pat. Do it. Name well, drop. Important, guys. Um, but what I try to do every year, and it's been better over the last couple of years because my buddy Pete, who's actually he's the copy chief at THR, has been able to go and at least like help a little bit, and he's a fan of indie games. Um, but what I always do is carve out a little bit of time every day, like an hour, an hour and a half of my schedule, to walk the floor and to just talk to people, like the regular people who are out on the floor. <laughs> the noise. My ivory tower. Mm, mm. Speaking to CEOs and eating sushi in the middle of a show floor. It's weird <laughs> happen. Must be nice. It's gross, actually. That's yeah, a weird thing. kind of gross, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I like how we got from ninth century England to E3, just like that. You can tell we really don't want to talk about Assassin's Creed. I, think I know. I feel bad. No, I, I think it comes yeah. down to is like we know the formula we're going to get. I think I hope there's a chance they can differentiate it. Like Origins, uh, I think broke the mold from from things. Now it's a trilogy, so I don't know where it'll come. It's coming from the same uh, the same people that did Black Flag and Origins. How is it a trilogy? How is it a trilogy? Well, they're they're considering this the the three part because of what's happening outside of the assassin. It's following one individual person throughout the the three. Does anyone care about that storyline? The parts that everyone hates. <laughs> like, I can't tell you one thing. I played Origins and Odyssey as I, I bounced off Odyssey hella quick. Or not hella quick. I think I put 20 hours in the Odyssey and there's a mission where you have to go against a blockade. But the game sets it up where they want you to grind in order to get materials to level up your ship. I was not leveling up my ship while I was playing through this game, I'm not going to go back and go grind to go level up a ship to play through this. I'm just not going to do it. So I just was just like, screw Assassin's Creed. Totally. But I, I, I don't even remember what is going on outside of the historical context in those games. What's going on in the modern I, I can't tell you the characters in the modern world. I don't I remember Desmond. Desmond back in the day. Yeah, that's back in the day, though. And I think that was more interesting than what we have now. Because I, I can't even tell you what's going on in the real world. All I remember is, like, a chick sitting in a tanning bed in, like, a cave. Right? Like. Okay. Yeah. call it a tanning bed. That's what it looks like. No, remember. she was in, like, like the, the – is she the actual one that's in the animus that they're pulling the, the – I think they're pulling the – whatever the hell they pulled. I really don't it. remember it. Frankly, but I'm surprised that they've kept that going for this long because they don't really cares about it. They don't need it anymore. Like Bayek was such a great character. It kind of set us in a way of like, okay, so now we're just going to get these character-driven stories throughout history without this like tie to the modern world, which I really like because I feel like they just took a step away from the modern world in yeah. these new games. So I'd rather see that. I think um, Bayek's story, I played as Alexandra. I think that was her name in Odyssey. I think her story was fantastic with you being like um, half mortal, half God type person. 
So I think these, if they just focus on the personal stories within the historical context of these games, I think they don't need to worry about the modern world. Then the modern world brings it down. We have watchdogs. We don't need to know what's going on in the modern world. Just tie those series together. Well, I feel like they, they probably got so like pot committed in like a poker term where they, they had already put so much into the out of world stuff where they went with it. They actually, um, I actually have pulled up through um, Darby uh, McDevitt, who is the narrative director for the game, um, actually said that they were, they actually went through and figured out a way to piece in this, the stories from the past games as well into the story to make the lore connect. I don't know how they're going to do that. I don't know how they're going to accomplish that, but they're already claiming that they're going to do that. So that makes me interested. I want to see how they can try to do that. I think it's cool. Like, I appreciate what they're trying to do. I just don't think it's necessary because, like, I don't think the majority of people even, like, acknowledge that part of the storyline. Like, when you think back... Your hardcores are. Your hardcores are, yeah. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. My biggest issue with the newer Assassin's Creed games, and some people don't mind this. I do. Maybe it's because I grew up playing RPGs for so long. I despise level gating. It makes me freaking crazy. I should never not be able to go into an area because, like, the enemies that I can kill... If they're a different level, like, in a traditional RPG where they can kill me, that's fine. But if you're going to, like, block me from killing something if I'm doing all the moves correctly, that's ridiculous. Yeah, but, Pat, you can just pay Ubisoft some money, and then they will, like, level up your character for you. So you don't need to go through that grind. Just pay the $20 to level up your character. You're fine. Then. You're just lazy. Well, no, actually, lazy. Couldn't, couldn't you, can't you change the uh, level settings? I mean, I know that's not the, the intended one. You Didn't couldn't you do that after the backlash, though? I was going to say, like, when I did it, I feel like I could, but I was also deep into the game, so I can't say it was a post-patch release from con- uh, backlash. So I don't know. I honestly well, don't remember, and I don't want to speak like out of ignorance here because yeah. these are not my favorite games in the world. I play them. I look at the world that they built, which is undoubtedly gorgeous, like unbelievable like recreations of historical places. And then I just walk around for a little bit, and I get kind of over it, you know? See, I'm going to push back because it, to me, it's one of my favorite action games, third-person action games, just along the lines of how they've evolved from each game. Especially like that jump from um, what was the game before Origins? I can't remember. Was it uh, Black Black Flag? Or no, it was it was um, it went Black Flag. Then the bad one people didn't like in France, Paris, and then and then it went um, Syndicate, Syndicate, and then th- that was a jump to Origins. I feel like that. that was it went Syndicate Origins. We're gonna get that. I know where I, I that feels wrong, but oh, whatever. Um, can I feel like there was a really bad one between Syndicate? And, and maybe I'm biased because I love Syndicate, but I feel like there's a really bad one between Syndicate and Origins, but I don't know. Um, but I've always enjoyed the jump from each game. I felt like they felt like significantly different games. And I'm one of those people that liked the one that was in um, the United States. Was that two or three? I love that three. game. Um, so I'm excited to see where they go. I'm not excited about Viking culture because I could give a shit less about Vikings, but it's just it's interesting to see where they're going to go, especially since this is like the culmination of the series, right? This is the last game of the series, they're saying? I don't know about this series. They're, like said, series. They're, they're, I'm sorry, this trilogy. Well, well and the one thing I will say with this trilogy, one thing I've enjoyed is they actually went kind of crazy and they went absurd with it, with having Origins um, and Odyssey specifically. You're dealing with, like, in, in Odyssey, I fought Medusa. I fought the Minotaur. Like, you get, like, a lot of more ridiculousness, and that is what I think they need. And I think in um, the the next one, 
in uh, Valhalla, they have a lot of opportunity just from me playing God of War. I'm like, oh, there's a lot of Norse mythology that I think they could do some really cool stuff with. Can it. they top the way God of War explained that Norse mythology and the way that God of War mixed in that North mythology, Norse mythology with the overall story, though? That's Can what we- makes me nervous. Is And I know we shouldn't be comparing God of War to Assassin's Creed, but I know that when I'm going in there to, to Valhalla, I'm going to be constantly thinking about God of War and the way that game did storytelling and the way that game kind of... In- you know, brought in the Norse mythology in order to boost in an already strong story. I don't think Assassin's Creed is going to have that strong of a story. I've never seen Assassin's Creed have a strong story except for the Bayek story. I mean, God of War, you're comparing it to like one of the masterpieces of the last like five years. So, I mean, your bar's kind of high there a little bit. Yeah, but it's Viking culture. That's what my thing is. It's like, is this game going to be hurt by, we just had God of War. We just had Senua's Sacrifice. We've had a lot of Viking games in the last five years. Is this game going to be hurt by that? Should they have gone in a way different avenue? Do you find it weird that there's never... I think it's strange how little Western games there are. Explain that. So we have Red Dead, right? And we have the Red Dead series. Oh, I get what you're saying. Okay. Outside of that, we really don't have that many Western games, which I find a little strange to begin with. But I find it a little bit strange that Assassin's Creed 2 would choose something like Norse, especially as they're going like more into mythology, that was done so well by God of War and undoubtedly is going to like draw comparisons. Instead of doing something like, I don't know, a Western thing, which is a frontier that they haven't really explored, and you might get, you know, Red Dead comparisons there, but I'm surprised they have never done something like that. And I'm, I'm wondering if they're just staying along the lines of, you know, uh, Afri- Africa, um greece and oh, like yeah like, I, I wonder if they're just ancient like civilization type ancient ancient civilizations that are strongly influenced by religion but they did america yeah like, but i mean in this trilogy oh sure so like this yeah. trilogy i wonder if that was their main focus like we're going to focus on these cultures that are greatly influenced by mythology because i think bayek was really motivated by african mythology i think that the last story was greek mythology and this one's more norse mythology so I'm interested if that was their main focus for these three games. I, I think they had to because at this point, the, the games like the where do you go? Do you go into a, a the, do you go more towards modern times where there's a lot more guns involved and stuff? And I think the core mechanics of Assassin's Creed are close combat. And I think to avoid changing it into a completely different game, they had to figure out a way, how do we add a lot more elements, keep the history side of things, but then add a lot more supernatural and crazy events where we can elevate the set pieces to another level. That's a good point. I didn't really think about the gunplay and how much that changes the game. I know there was some in the third game, but I mean, it wasn't a huge part. Well, I mean, it was a huge part of the combat, but like not... Not the same way something said in, like... Or, or Assassin's Creed 3, you know, in the Revolution. You know, they had muskets and rifles and everything. So there, there has been, but I think, you know, it's a way to keep it grounded, but then also have some just absurdness in it. And I also don't... I think that, that Western-type video game, I think it's rarely touched because it's a hard thing to pull off. I think Red Dead Redemption did a really good job of pulling that off. And I think that if you would have released a Western game, that's who you're competing with. And there's still a significant amount of people still playing that game, especially online. Yeah, and again, I mean, you're competing with Rockstar at that point, which is... Yeah, yeah. Um, All right, let's shift gears away from uh, Assassin's Creed. Talk about another reveal, which was not supposed to be revealed. Uh, Somebody leaked basically the entire game of uh, The Last of Us 2. Um, We don't know who it was. There's a lot of rumors about who it was. Uh, But we do know, this again is not confirmed, but it's... 
these are pretty much, there were real leaks and the actual story and kind of took a whole bunch of momentum out of that game, which is... We got a release date. <laughs> yeah, we did get a release date. Um, it's not great uh, to have something like that happen for the industry and for all the people that work there. Um, regardless of either, any way you feel about it, I think it, to understand that type of reaction to whatever the work environment was there is rough because... A, it ruins, it hurts the fans. It ruins, you know, this thing that a lot of people worked on for a long time. I don't know. It was just, a, it was a, it was something that was surprising. And I think a lot of people have kind of come to the side of viewing whoever leaked that as not a great thing to do. Um, however, it's in the news and it is, uh, it's interesting. I never played The Last of Us, the first one. I've, I know. <laughs> I told you I missed basically all of PS3. So I never played the first The Last of Us. People love that game. Having played it, I think the both of you have played it. What do you feel about things that have happened for this new one? And we don't really need to get into spoilers. And I don't really want to get into like, you know, aiding a leaker here. I didn't read it. But in terms of like... I didn't read it either. Okay, great. But in terms of like your hype for the game or anything that's like the story around this, what has it done for you as fans of the game? I think for me, um, the fact that people are calling it an SJW game makes me want to play it more because I'm like, what defines a game as an SJW game? Let me look this up. Um, but first of all, the person that did this is a scumbag. You, you, there are so many other avenues you could have taken if you were frustrated. And I understand that Naughty Dog has a lot of grief against them for their workplace, how they run the workplace. It sounds like Crunch is extremely bad there. But still, you have so many people that have worked on this game. You do not leak contents that other people have worked on because it's, I, I think that's just the most disgusting thing you can do. The most disgusting thing you can do. So I, I hope this person gets penalized. I hope this person never gets a job again in the game industry. I know you're frustrated, but there are a lot of avenues you could have taken in order to get justification for your staff members. But other than that, I'm still excited for this game. Um, this is just such a shame. It's such a shame all around. Yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, it's very unfortunate. I, I've luckily, like Edmund, you know, I've avoided it. I, you know, as someone, I feel like I've heard, read, I've, I've seen a lot of, you know, what it's like to be in a toxic environment. So I'm, I'm trying to wrap my mind around that. And I'm going to assume this, if it is a person, there's reports, if someone did link it at, uh, leak it out of frustration, they're probably in a really, uh, really unhappy with their current situation. Not a good excuse at all, though. And I hope that they're able to see after the fact that they probably have impacted a lot of their coworkers. They've really put a lot of strain on a lot of people that they, I'm going to assume, didn't intend. They maybe had, I don't know. I'm speaking vaguely. All I can say is that it's really a really crappy situation. And it also, I think there's a lot of wind that's taken out of the sales of this game that is probably going to be a great game. Regardless if you agree with the messaging, just the mechanics, the way it's built, the graphics, everything, it's going to be a great finished product. And I don't think this is going to scare away anyone that was going to buy the game, maybe a small percentage of people. Mm -hmm. If anything, I think it gets us talking about it. But yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's unfortunate. And uh, I really do feel bad for all the people who have... Uh, dealt with a lot of crunch uh, out there to get this game at where it needs to get. And now they're getting a lot of the wind taken out of their sales and that sucks. I think it's a tough topic to talk about for lots of reasons. Cause there's lots of different sides here. And it's also a thing that 
all of these are reports, you know, we don't actually know unless you were inside the studio at Naughty Dog. Like, I don't know what the environment was like there. I know that I've met Neil Druckmann before and I enjoyed my time with him, but I've never worked for him. I don't know what it's like to work for him. I know that a lot of people work very hard in this game and they worked hard on it for a very long time. So to have something like this happen really does take a lot of wind out of your sails just in terms of being a human being, you know. Um, I will say, though, that it did get a release date after being postponed many times and what that has led to. And I'm not trying to just move off of this topic very, you know, briefly. We spoke about it, but I think there's only so much you can say when we don't know exactly what happened. So one of the silver linings here is that we did get a, a release date for the game and it also is released in a month within Ghost of Tsushima, which is another game that I'm very, very excited about. So this summer is going to be absolutely insane in terms of PlayStation, which is just a console. This PS4 has to go down as one of the greatest like life cycles of a console I've ever seen. It's Next truly... The Switch. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean... and crazy that they're the same time because the Switch is also just destroying it right now. And these two consoles are like... It's really like two juggernauts right now, and they are both just delivering content until the very end. Like, PlayStation is done. The PS4 is done. Like, this is it. And it's still just cranking it out. Well, I got to disagree with you, Pat. I'm actually kind of really? okay. pointed in this generation of Xbox and PlayStation. Um, I feel like, and I could be wrong. I need to go back and look at, like, all the games that came out this generation. Um, but let's, let's go through them. This generation we had for Xbox, we had Sunset Overdrive, Gears of War 5, Halo 5. Um, what else did we have for Microsoft? Sea of Thieves. Data Decay 2, Sea of Thieves. Uh, and then PlayStation 4, we had God of War, Spider-Man. I mean, we've had a lot of great games, but I, and I have to go back to my 360 and my PlayStation 3, um, the last generation to see what type of games I like there. But for some reason, I just felt underwhelmed. This, And I, I don't know if it's just me, but I just kind of felt underwhelmed this generation. Now, are you, are you just speaking ex just on exclusives or just in general? Indie games this generation in the last like six to seven years have been phenomenal. I'm talking about big exclusive titles. Okay. Um, I just felt, and I, and, you know, we got some great ones, but I just don't feel like they were on the same level. I, I haven't, like The Last of Us, when I played the first Last of Us on PS3, that was monumental for me. That was a game where I was just like, man, they have hit everything on the, like, nail on the head. Everything is perfect in this game. I haven't felt that way yet in this generation. I'm shocked to hear that. I don't think a lot of people would say the PS3 had a better console life than the PS4. No, the PS3 was not. Xbox 360 had a phenomenal um, library, though. It did, and now we have the Xbox One who's kind of in a downturn right now, and then maybe the Series X will be better, but I think they clearly swapped places over the last generation, I would say. Though the PS3 did a lot better than people remember it doing, if you actually look at the numbers. It was, it was it well towards the end of the generation. It, it's people like, uh, Pat, I don't know about you. I feel like you, you missed out on a lot of PS3. I don't know about on everything, but the last year of the PS3, I picked one up, used for cheap at a GameStop, and then that was like when I binged all the Uncharted's and did all that. So it's like I was a part of that, that kind of last-second um, influx yeah. to get sales for the PS3. Um, I don't know. We haven't played Ghost of Tsushima yet, and we haven't played The Last of Us 2, but Ghost of Tsushima is something I want to lick. Like, I want to take that game and just shove it into every orifice of my head. It's, that's so interesting, Pat, because I, I know very little about the game. I know it's got, you know, I know about the pedigree, the studio, about, and then I've seen some stuff, but I don't know if you've seen, I don't, and I also don't know what you can talk about, but I'm curious, what have you seen of the game, both uh, demo-wise? Have you gotten your hands on to anything? Sucker Punch. That's all we need to know. It's Sucker Punch. That's all you need to know? That's all we need to know. 
It's Sucker Punch. I haven't played it. As far as I know, I don't know anybody who's played it. Oh, really? It's just been seeing people play it behind closed doors. I, I, I heard um, through another podcast that someone saw gameplay last E3, and it was just like a closed doors kind of thing. And he was saying how he is still to this day like so excited for that game just based on what he saw for a 30-minute demo. Yeah, I don't know. I'd never... I'm going through... I'm like literally going back like... The marketing, if the marketing of this game has been insane because there's been none. Well, that's what that's what I'm wondering. And this is, is coming out of that flute guy at E3. Remember the flute guy? Good, yeah. Oh, the flute guy. I mean, hey, flute guy. They, why aren't they bringing that out every day? But like, I just He's got a flute. I I haven't flute. seen a ton of this game. I haven't seen a ton of this game, and I, you know, the pedigree wise, I'm excited. But I'm curious too. How, I wonder how the internal dialogues went when you have Last of Us getting released a month before their game. Like, how's these internal PlayStation dialogues going on with both of these developers and trying to juggle um, release dates? I can only imagine the email threads and chains and calls that are going on. This is complicated stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. Also, I mean, just look at the end of this console generation. We have The Last of Us 2, then we've got Ghost of Tsushima, and I know it's not an exclusive, but then you got Cyberpunk in September. Woo! You know, it's, it's bananas. And we just had Final Fantasy VII. Am I missing one? Wasn't there another one earlier this year? Streets of Rage 4. <laughs> I like the Streets of Rage games. No, the game is, I, I, I just picked it up. It's actually really good. Yeah. It's really good. Um, I don't know. It's going to weirdly be like an insane year. It's already kind of like a cra- with like Animal Crossing and Final Fantasy VII remake and um, Kakarot. Well, Resident Evil 3 remake, which. I don't really care as much about Kakarot, Kingdom Kakarot. Hearts. Oh, no, wait, that was last year. Sorry. Sorry. I'm just naming off games. Sorry. Not December. Sorry. Well, you're just, oh, you remember what we got at the end of the last uh, generation, though? I know we got The Last of Us. I, I feel like we had some GTA V. When did Metal Gear Solid come out? That was next gen. Metal Gear Solid Five because Z- was Zeros. Zeros was kind of a, a early. I think that was Xbox like one and PS4 release. I think. Ghost was the game that I played, and I was like, all right, this feels like a next-gen. And remember, it took a while for the PlayStation 4 to get started, too. It, oh, yeah. It took, like, a year or two before we actually got a really good exclusive. Um, I know a lot of people don't talk about infa- Infamous Second Son, but that was kind of a letdown. I love the game, but it felt like, compared to the other Infamous games, it was a letdown. And that well, was I mean, I think it comes down to every, I mean, I'm just thinking the last two releases, uh, launch titles usually aren't very good. Like it's, they're trying to figure out the new tech, but I think the, the tech jump between the, um, Xbox, uh, one Xbox 360 and to the Xbox, you know, though that jump was a little bit more large. I think this one, it's more of the nuts and bolts things that, you know, loading times, there's going to be other things. Teraflops. Teraflops, baby. I don't know what that means, but hey, there's. You just tell me there's a number of teraflops. I'm gonna get excited. Can I push back on you a little bit though? Because like, look at Nintendo Switch's launch, like phenomenal. Nintendo though. Nintendo. It does not matter if they have their Super Mario, Zelda, Animal Crossing. People are gonna buy them, and that's. I know I'm deep in the Nintendo pocket. Uh, uh, Okay, but (laughs) it didn't just release a Zelda game. They released the greatest Zelda game of all time, and possibly one of the greatest games ever made. Very true. That was a launch title. Breath of the Wild is not just a game. It's not just like a Zelda game. It's like holy shit! This is what you can do with a video game. That game is freaking unbelievable. Yeah. Odyssey, by the way, which is maybe the greatest like 
Is it a platformer? I guess it's kind of a platformer. Yeah, it's a platformer. That game is phenomenal. Those two games are so freaking good. Like, if you launch with those, like, don't even worry about it. And I know that Odyssey wasn't technically a launch title, but it came out. Well, yeah, and it, but that's the thing is I think they have their hands in everything. Nintendo controls a lot of their first party and stuff. And I don't know. I just feel like they have so much more say on what their launch titles are going to be compared to – because they're a singular platform. Like, their first – their games that people are mainly playing, you're not going to find on another system. A lot of the, P, the launch titles for the Xbox and PlayStation, you can find them on each one. And if you don't, they're trying to figure out the, the actual systems because they try to take the graphics to another level. Nintendo doesn't care about that. They want the games to be interactive and fun. And then they still, this generation, Nintendo has done more indies than they've ever done ever. And they're incredible too. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how they balance that. Yeah, where they, they, they are so involved with their first party, and yet they still give the keys and reins to indies, and it's, it's pretty impressive what they do. I don't yeah, know. Very, very. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's just I'm interested to see what this la these last couple of games are going to be. I, do we have any more releases from Microsoft coming before the, next, the new Xbox? Well, I mean, not ex well. Do you have exclusives? I don't know. I'm not sure, but I mean, you have Cyberpunk coming out on Xbox. Yeah, I mean, they have what, Wasteland Three. Oh yeah. Okay. 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 There, there's a lot of people who care about that game. I mean, it's I, a niche game though. You have people like my yeah, yeah. like like likes that game, and I like Persona. So, but but also for I would say business wise, it's smart that the uh, Microsoft's giving money and they try to get a Wasteland Three. Like they're trying to get every little piece of the pie they can to their subscription model. And honestly, when the price to to actually make an Xbox or a PlayStation keeps rising due to the supply chain. Them putting all their eggs in the subscription basket is really going to help them out profits wise. And undoubtedly, the greatest offering there is in terms of subscription packages. Game Pass is phenomenal. There's nothing else to say about the Xbox One is that Game Pass is the best thing that is on the market. Well, right hardware wise and um, service wise, Xbox is like miles ahead of the controllers. Better. The Game Pass is better. The controller is way. Don't even look at me like that. The controller is way better. That <sighs> that Pro Elite controller for the Xbox is one of the best feeling things I've ever. Two hundred dollars. Why the hell would I buy that? I don't <laughs> have two hundred dollars. Colin's brother has one, so I just use that one. But whenever I'm picking Netflix on my downstairs TV, it feels good. I haven't played with it, but whenever I'm choosing my Netflix title, it feels real good in that controller. So that's all I gotta say. But I and then like even the um, the controller that I was marketing for those who. What was that controller called? Did they have a special name for the controller? That was oh um ah oh, jeez talking about like the adaptive controller. The adaptive for controller. Accessibility. I don't, yeah. I don't know. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yes. like that was amazing too. So like hardware wise and subscription services rise, I think that Microsoft has had PlayStation beat. But in the terms of games, like people buy systems, PlayStation is just like they basically curb stomped Microsoft this generation. Yeah. I, I don't, uh, you can't even make an argument against that. I mean, no, like, there's, there, what argument can you make? Right. Gears 5 was really good. But, but I mean, right now, it's, it's really going to be interesting to see who's positioned themselves for the next generation best because um, I'm telling you, Microsoft, they have a lot of people that are giving them $9.99 a month. And when supply chains are breaking down, like, I think they are in such a good spot right now to hit the ground running with this next oh, generation. This is going to be Xbox's generation. I, I, I don't know. It's hard to tell, and like you're reading tea leaves here, but like I think that too. Uh, Nintendo's almost like exists on its own. Like yeah. Nintendo's not even in the competition, really. Like Nintendo's just like, whatever. 
and just does whatever it wants. Um, but yeah, it does feel like Xbox has made so many moves for the future that it's going to be really interesting to see how they all pay off. And PlayStation got lazy. I think we talked about it in earlier podcasts. Like PlayStation got so far ahead that they didn't really innovate anything after. I mean, they made really good games, but other they made than amazing that, games though, yeah. But other than that, they didn't really do anything. It it took like how long did it take for us to even to be able to change your your PSN oh, yeah. username? I mean, there there is some very slow stuff where they've had some uh, they've decided to invest their money in other things besides uh, you know trying to do things that are different. You know, they stuck to their core uh, competencies that they're good at. And Microsoft, when they were desperate, decided, hey, we got to pivot, and they did it. I hate pivot. Why did I just say that? How oh, dare you! I, I literally, uh, that is just the worst uh, buzzword. Heck, bro, startup. I feel sick to my stomach now. Yeah, wear your sunglasses. You should have sunglasses on the top of your hat right now. You said hella earlier, so I want to be talking. Me? Yeah, you yeah, said I've it. said hella my entire life. Yeah, I know. I yeah, know. yeah. Reno, Nevada, it's in the Bay Area. Yeah, what a, <laughs> We were saying hecka before they were saying hella, therefore we coined it. So, yeah, yeah. take that. Sam. You heard that first. Edmund Arnold said that Reno coined hella. We did. We were saying Hecka in like the early 90s. I don't remember anyone else saying Hecka. Some Bay Area idiot came over and heard it and they're like, oh, we're going to change that to Hella. Coin That's it. all the evidence I need to hear. All right. Um, we're running short on time. Let's do a little bit of what are you drinking and also what are you playing. And to help us kind of kick it off is my buddy Cloud Strife here. Oh. Hey, hey, Colin. What are you, what are you drinking? Hold on. Let me do my impression. <laughs> 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 Uh, why is there so much gasping in anime why i my favorite part in final fantasy 7 remasters whenever he goes tifa my favorite is that they'll just like start a sentence and then not end it you know they're like what that would mean and the, i don't even think the writer knew what they were gonna say they just like <laughs> they just throw that out there it's the best oh that game though Woo. yeah oh boy yeah so who's, who wants to go first and what they're drinking uh, all right, I'll go first. Yeah, you started off. We never started. a nice Firestone lager. Uh, last week, I was drinking the Pilsner. This is the lager. It's very nice. It has a nice white can. Uh, I am playing, still, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze because it's the hardest game that anyone has ever made in history. Your tweets about it have been hilarious. It is so hilarious. fucking hard. It was made for children, which also, all the Donkey Kong games are hard. Why is the Donkey Kong Country, it's the hardest franchise, and no one talks about it? It is so dark the Super Nintendo Mini. When I got that, I was like, I can't wait to have all this nostalgia. And I was like, oh, so it wasn't just me when I was seven. I just, this game is hard, Donkey Kong Country. Yeah, and then I smash things. <laughs> well, that's why, the, that's why the soundtrack in Tropic Thunder is so good, because they know you're going to be frustrated. So like, I would love to play games. Donkey Kong Tropic Thunder, by the way. <laughs> I'm glad you caught that. What did I say? What did I say? Tropic Thunder, like the Robert Downey Jr. Ben Stiller movie. I'm the dude. Of the freeze. Sorry, I've been reading a lot about blackface today. That's why I apologize. I'm the dude disguised as a dude. Not even kidding. I've been reading a lot about Tropic Thunder's blackface today. Like, yeah. That's interesting. All right, what are you guys playing? Um, I just finished a brown ale from Ocean View Brew Works. It's called the Blue Baloo's Brown Ale. They named a lot of their beers after their dogs. Oh, yeah. so I said the Jungle Book. Mm, whatever. Jungle Book 2, whatever. Uh, what am I playing? I'm almost done with <laughs> the craziness that is Final Fantasy VII. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's all I got to say. And, um, a good wow or a bad wow there? I'm confused. I like it a lot. 
Good. Um, which is weird because I don't like Kingdom Hearts games, and there's a lot of like stuff about your destiny and doing everything to make sure that your destiny flows correctly and Tifa, Tifa, and like bullshit like that. But I like that final set piece. Those last two boss battles are amazing. Um, so I'm enjoying it. Should beat it this weekend. Um, Animal Crossing went to Collins Island yesterday. Made made a little profit on some turnips. Thank you, Colin, for hooking that up. And I think I'm going to start getting. I started um, beat down in Treasury City today. The writing in the beginning of that game is hilarious. I don't know. I've never know. even heard of that. What game is yeah, that? It's a Nintendo Switch beat 'em up game. Um, I purchased it off of certain people like tweeting about it and saying how the writing is. Some people will find it offensive, like within the first 10 minutes, there's like this white guy you run into who's making, you're a Latino player, and they start speaking like Fox Spanish to you, like trying to be like, and then you're like, no, that's not how you speak Spanish. And there's like plays on Barack Obama. There's plays on, I think it's either Donald Trump. Very or It's good. It's a good game. Like the writing is very funny. So I'm probably going to get into that. But yeah, that's what I'm playing. Nice. Yeah. Um, for myself, I got a, uh, you know, Drinking field work today. Got a field work uh, IPA. We got the St. Thomas OG. This is a uh, a beer they haven't made in a few years, or they don't. They only make every so often. So I'm very excited about that. And uh, playing wise, hearing how much Edmonds loving the end of Final Fantasy VII remake. I, I need to stick with that. I've uh, got a couple more chapters in that. Been loving, loving. And disclaimer: the movie that this is based on is one of my all time favorite movies. But I've been playing uh, the hell out of Predator: Hunting Ground. Yeah, dude. <laughs> it is awesome. Now, like I said, disclaimer, the original Predator, which this game is not based off any of the other Predators. It's the original Predator. It's an asymmetric game from Ilphonic, who they did. Um, they worked on Evolve, and then they created uh, Friday the 13th. I played Evolve, not Friday the 13th, but this game, you are either selecting the Predator or you're playing on a fire team of four people, and it is just the tone, the music is literally the opening music to the credits of Predator, where it's like, da-na-na-na-na, da-na-na-na-na. That is the music the entire game. It's 80s synth music. It's amazing. And it looks like PS3 graphics. It's a, it's really rough around the edges, but it is so fun. And I barely played as the Predator, but I'm just enjoying the setting. It takes 10 to 20 minutes to play through the game. It's a really quick loop. And you're just going through, and you're, as the fire team, you're, shooting these stupid AIs, you can't, uh, it takes for, uh, they're super just not intelligent, but while you're doing that and you're going through objectives, because the original Predator, they weren't there to fight the Predator, they were trying to do a mission and then the Predator was there and that's what's happening. So, Oh, they did their mission, Colin. Oh, they, oh, well, Arnold did the mission, no spoilers, but, but it's great. Literally when it starts off, if you see a puddle, you can pour mud on yourself so then the Predator can't see you and it's, and it's uh, ultraviolet or like, you know, it's heat vision. So it's little things like that, and it's all mirrored off the Arnold movie, and it's uh, rough around the edges, but it's a quick game to jump in and out of. It, I love it. No microtransactions. All the currency you get in-game and can pick up game just goes towards cosmetics. So it's very um, – and it's 40 bucks. So, yeah, it's a really great game. Also, I love Predator, so very big <laughs> disclaimer. It was that. only the first Predator, so I can't play as Danny, De- or Danny Glover. I wish. Dude, I would love that. I would love to hop on Bart in San Francisco and go into If you can't tell, I love the Predator movies. And I know so, you do. You talk but the, way, the cool thing to call out with this game, though, the way to win is if you're the fire team, you complete your objectives and you get in the helicopter and get away, you win. But as the Predator, you can kill everyone. But another thing, if you get down by the other team, 
the fire team, you have to shoot off the predator's mask. If you don't do that in time, the predator sets a mini nuke like in the first movie. Yes. And then you can detonate it and you have to match all these alien symbols or you can run out of the blast radius. Oh, that's great. But it's like a time thing. Music starts ticking and it's a, and all you hear is the predator going, it is the coolest shit ever so i know i talked a ton about it but it is a great game and i think they're gonna build upon it but there's three maps it's really limited right now but it's a fun game that's amazing i have it in my queue i haven't played it yet that's the most johnny gamers game of ever <laughs> hey pat let's do it you we should we should do a uh, a predator hunting grounds night yes, so let me know when you want to play it i asked one uh, question Yes. Uh, to, to the group of you, I'm, I'm going to download Predator, I think. If Pat, if you download Predator, I will download it so we can all get on it. But wow. one game that you can recommend to other people during the quarantine, it sounds like our shelter in place has been extended for another month in California. What is one game you would recommend everyone to play in the next month? Warzone. I've just been playing so much of it, and it's so fun to play with other people. It's like kind of been keeping me going through all of this. So that's what I'm throwing out there. I know it's a pretty mainstream game, man, but Warzone is awesome. Yeah, you're, you're I, I honestly, I agree when it comes to, I'd say Warzone is the free-to-play side of things. I think people right now, um, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of people right now who are out of work. So I think that is a perfect game to jump into where you can get a lot out of it. You can play with friends and have a good time. And uh, and it's also just really well made. Uh, Warzone is a great product, is a free product. It's unbelievable. Um, and then besides that, I think Animal Crossing, if you have the ability to buy that $60 game, it is something where you can have a, a something that's exciting to look forward to, even though it's little each morning. I don't know. It's just like a little carrot you're dangling every day. Like, hey, let me check in my town. Let me, you know, grab the fruit around here. And so I think that's a little fun distraction. Nice. Nice. Answer your own question, Edmund. I would probably be Stardew Valley. Um, just because it's a good game that you can put a lot of hours into. You can get your social interaction with the different villagers there. You can make some money. If you're not making money right now, you can make some fake money to make yourself feel like you're doing something. <laughs> um, but I, I would say Stardew Valley. So plus value wise, I mean, that game's usually anywhere from 15 max to 10, 10 ish dollars and the amount of hours you can get out of that. So I feel like that's a good value game right now. And available on every single platform. So now you guys got a whole bunch of stuff to play. Yeah, we uh, got Thank you very much for listening. We are the Donkey Kong Artists. We are on Twitters and YouTubes. And That's then it. Nowhere, nowhere else. else. Yeah. Find us anywhere. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube. This video will be on YouTube. We'll also be on SoundCloud. Follow us on SoundCloud as well. We also have a Facebook. But other than that, we're old. We iTunes, are. Apple. If you have the Apple Podcast uh, app, you can download it right there. Yeah, there we, yeah Apple. There we go. Yeah. We're there on we Tinder. We're on Match.com. Um, Farmers only. Farmers, oh yeah, that's our main. That's our blackmeetup.com. Did you see my sweet hat? Did I show anybody my awesome lions on my hat? Oh, I thought it was like fog. Those are lions. Oh no, they're sweet lions. Hey, you cool cats and kittens, Carol Baskin over here. Hello. So if you guys have really cool hats, let us know. Exactly. Send them our way. Yeah, yeah. And if you have any suggestions of who we should talk to, any games we should play, let us know. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye, Earl. Bye, Earl. Fade away, fade away, fade away, fade away.